What's up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the Mommy Collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Hello, mamas. Welcome to Mama Stay with Tanika Ray. We are still in the middle, well, rearing towards the end of Black History Month. I wanted to bring to the mic a mama who I met on Instagram. That's sort of the way I am meeting my friends these days. Because let's be honest, we are still smack dab in the middle of a pandy. Just to be really, really clear. This woman, Shalea Vinny, I saw her videos about red flags and relationships She never really talked about kids, but just the way she spoke with such clarity about love and red flags in relationships and how to honor yourself and hold your boundaries up and not waver on that. Be unapologetic in centering yourself and your wellness. I was like, there's some mama stay up in there. And guess what? I was right. I swear I'm so lucky. These moms are incredible. Shalea came. And we spoke about the fact that she was a teen mom. You are going to be so moved by the fact that in society, they tell us literally the worst thing a young girl can be is pregnant in her teens. They shame us. They make the woman solely responsible for the actions of two people. But this young lady, she survived. She overcame. She became a boss. She took it in her own hands. She defined life for herself. And not only that, there are other little jewels that I'll let you find out, but I'll just tell you this part. She married the man she had a baby with at 16, and they're still married today. Wow. They beat the odds, guys. We have a lot to learn from them. Not just her mommy journey, but her love journey with her husband And we, of course, as we do here at Mama's Day, we kind of went all over the map. We celebrated Black History Month with some tidbits on how to fortify our kids' minds and self-love and wellness in these very unpredictable, crazy times. All right, here she is, Shalea. My name is Shalia Vinny. I am a best-selling author, podcast host, internationally known speaker. I'm a licensed nurse and I'm a master certified life and relationship coach. Uh, is there anything else? <laughs> and then I heard you were a mom on top of that. I'm like, I how, Sway? How? <laughs> a mom and a wife too. Yeah. Oh, and a wife. That, that's like three extra jobs. Yeah. (laughs) So I need to understand, well, it's an honor whenever I am able to stumble upon somebody that I resonate with so much because what 2020 and beyond has taught me is that 
I have to be very intentional with who I let in my space. And since we are separated, that means in my Instagram space, my clubhouse space, my Twitter space, everything, because we are in a very, very interesting, aka dark times. And it is a spiritual war to a certain degree. And see, I already knew you agreed about that because of what you say in your post. Oh, I get goosebumps because it's really, I'm such an empathic person and I'm very sensitive to energy. So when I find somebody that I'm like, finally, people, somebody who has done the work, they've healed their trauma or they're in the process of healing their trauma. They're seeing things for what they are. They're rational. They're lucid. It's not common these days, unfortunately. Tell me how you got to where you are, how you ended up writing a book, like why you knew your voice was important. I know that was 25 questions, (laughs) but I feel like you can handle it. You know, writing has, it's my gift. It's God's gift to me speaking. They, They go hand in hand. Since I can remember, I've been writing. I'm the one at school that we have to do an essay. I'm like, yay! You know, we're <laughs> You're that girl. We're going to do the speech. Oh, me! You know, like I oh, am wow. that person. And I tried to run from it because I had my daughter really young. And, you know, people told me, you're going to need to get a job. That's not going to pay your bills. You need to go and be safe. So I went and became a nurse. But deep down, it was just this calling and I just could not ever escape it. I had to be my authentic self. And that meant I needed to write. And so I started writing. And actually, my first bestseller was my book that I wrote for my daughter, Little Girl, Little Girl, Don't Get Lost in This World. And it was like a book that I made for her, where if anything happened to me, she would have the tools. And, you know, it talks about life or sex or peer pressure, education, faith. I mean, everything that she will go through as a young woman, you know, of course, it's not vulgar or anything, but it's just honest. And so I wrote that book. And when you start operating in your truth, God just opens up doors because I wrote that book and then, you know, it became this bestseller. And then all these girls wanted to talk more. And so I created my nonprofit, Vinny Girl Inc., to reach out to them. Then I needed to speak. So I started speaking to the youth and and it just kind of went from there. Like, it's just amazing when you really operate in your truth, how God, you know, that expression that your gift will make room for you. That's exactly what happened. And then, you know, people were like, wait a minute, you're married too? And I'm like, oh, I've been with my husband since I was 14. And they're like, what in the world? And so people are like, how do you sustain that? How do you do it? So I start talking about relationships and people are just taking it all in. And it's just been a blessing. Like I couldn't even imagine it could go this way. I'm so honored. Thank you for telling me that story because even more so, I'm a single mom mm. by, by choice, mm-hmm. which is a whole other topic, but her dad comes here every morning, picks her up and takes her to school. I just don't want to be with him. Mm -hmm. So it's really fascinating when people figure it out, they find their life partner. So Mm -hmm. you met your husband when you were 14, Mm -hmm. you guys had a child at what age? When I was 16, we had our daughter. I tell you, I couldn't even imagine (laughs) the weight of the world Yes. At 16 with the baby, knowing how hard mommying is. Yeah. The yeah. thing you had going for you, we had lots of energy at 16. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only thing. <laughs> you could because these kids, girl, are nonstop. These energizer bunnies, man. Yeah. 
I'm like, you're going to have to go away from me right now because I waited just the opposite. I waited until that very last egg girl, that very last superstar egg. I was like, I'm going to live it up and have the life of my dreams before I have to be responsible for somebody. So I am in awe of people like you. I wanted to be you. <laughs> I, I wanted to be like you, but it, it just, you know, life happened. And but I think it's important to say that there are pros and cons to yes, both. Absolutely. You know, there really are, because yeah. now I'm a grown a woman and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's not. Oh, I've got a. There's literally no time for myself, like zero. My daughter even is like, are you trying to do something in the corner alone? <laughs> oh, no, ma'am. Oh, that doesn't change. My daughter is 17 and she's like my little shadow. Like she's everywhere. She's not the typical teenager. I'm out here, you know, doing my own thing. She's like, where are we going? I'm like, where are we oh, going? I'm going somewhere. No, where are we going? So that hasn't changed for me. <laughs> and I get it. It's like, they're an extension of us. I yeah. get that. It, it makes perfect sense. My daughter came out of my body. And if we're going somewhere, she will find herself. I find her standing mm-hmm. right in front of me as we're walking. Like, I'm yeah. like, you're stopping my progress. And for her, that's where she's supposed to be. Yep. It's so <laughs> primal. As irritating as, as it is for me, like, can you move? It's not going to change. I just want, I just want you to know so that you're prepared. Surrender, right? Yep. Surrender. Yeah. And that's why you speak such volumes to me because I feel like you're this free spirit who has figured it out and you may not be, but I, I read a bunch of books when I was pregnant and I was like, trash, (laughs) like all these books are like, Oh, the perfect way to, I just do not respond to that utopian mothering sort of like, I've always wanted to have a baby. I just think it's gross. Yeah. And it sets everybody up for disaster. Yeah. And I, expectations that are unrealistic. Yes. Yes. Those expect, how come y'all didn't talk about my vagina being split wide open? Why isn't that 14 chapters in your That's book? The one. <laughs> and hello, diaper. How come we never got to diapers? For us. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, that's what they don't talk about. Yes. Can we get out of fantasy land, y'all? Yes. How about the engorged breast with breastfeeding and I feeling numb? Nobody talks about this stuff. Girl, hitting a bullseye like. like <laughs> but I'm starting to realize is that our whole world is really fantasy. Yeah. We're really seeing it now, aren't we? which is all the structures. We're seeing where the holes are. We're seeing that we've kind of been lied to as a society, as people, especially us, honey. They want to lie to us every day. And we're like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm extraordinary. I'm pretty sure you're extraordinary, aren't you? Uh, every day. Every day. So let me, let me ask you, when you first went viral, what were the first things people were saying to you? Like, what did they really connect with about you? Oh, my first viral video, I think it was the one where I talked about women and men. Uh, what are we bringing to the table? Because this was such a huge discussion. And honestly, I got really skewered in the comments from the women. That's the crazy thing. I'm like, I'm saying something good. But no, I got skewered. I was a pick me. It was just all bad. But then as time went on, my audience started to 
kind of give me a little bit of grace. And then they started to, okay, you're not one-sided because everybody thought I was going to be one-sided. And if you've seen my content, you know, I talk about the men and I talk about the women because we Okay, all- well, catch us up. Hold on. Before you go too far, catch us up for people who are just being introduced to you. What was your position about relationships in that scenario? So in that scenario, it was, you know, women were talking about when men ask us, what do we bring to the table? You know, and that's a stupid question. And so I was telling women, you know, what he's really asking for is, are you going to be my safe space? I want to have a relationship where we pray together, we laugh together, we're friends, because a lot of women nowadays feel like we're so accomplished. You know, I make six figures. I'm doing well for myself. I don't need a man or I'm a great catch because I'm doing well for myself. But we forget to look at who we are. Our our currency is really our attitude. No one cares if you make six figures, if you're going to have an attitude and you're going to give him indigestion at that table you're talking about. So that was what I was saying. Ladies, we need to understand that it's more to it than that. We need to show up and be present for them and to actually be a good spouse and a good person. And women didn't, some women didn't see it that way. And they were like, oh, so he needs a mother. I'm like, no, he just needs a a helpmate, which is what it really is. So I, I agree with you. I agree with some of the comments that people made because I have taken on a lot of relationships where ultimately I think there's a part of me that likes projects. Okay. I love a good project girl. I'm that chick, but in relationships, as you sustain and that you, you start to fix your project fix, you start to alter it and edit it. Then ultimately you do become the mother figure in a weird way. For instance, in my last, well, there's been a couple, but the one that I no longer want to be in, he got a lot. He benefited a lot from our relationship, but I couldn't see where I benefited from the relationship as well. At the same time, I felt depleted. Yes. I felt like I was de- being diminished in that relationship. So there are limits, right? Absolutely. But see, what a lot of people fail to understand, and that's why people saw that video, but I also did a video for women. This is what we need when we say we need safety, because people fail to understand that that being able to operate in that way as a woman simply means that we are being loved properly. It's reciprocity. It's not that I'm pouring out everything for you and then my cup is empty. That's not how it works. Because if we're both pouring into each other, now we're both able to stand firm in our relationship and as individuals and be able to be everything that we both need for each other. So a lot of people overlook that aspect of what I was saying. So when it comes to what are you bringing to the table? Yes, women, we bring nurturing. We bring, I mean, I hate when it's broken down to like, we cook for you. Right. Like that to me is so yes. antiquated. Yes. I can order a mean meal, mother. <laughs> I'm gonna order you a dope meal. Can that be enough to sustain you? Or does it have to be me spending time in the kitchen? Right. right. It feels very parallel to this antiquated way of thinking where women shouldn't be in the workplace. They have to have every baby they get pregnant with. Well, both people are responsible. And if women have to have the baby, even if they're raped, what that does overall is make sure women are out of the workplace, doesn't it? And they are not Mm -hmm. your competition. Mm -hmm. So it's all like, ooh, where are we going with this? Yep. Yep. I wonder what do men, they get mad. They say, oh, women are just trying to use us for money. But 
what else are you bringing to the table? Mm -hmm. And in your experience, what do men bring to the table? That's a big question because nowadays uh, women are so capable of doing things on our own. And so what a lot of women are saying is so many men want us to step back and be traditional. You know, my grandmother did this and we did that. And, you know, what a woman's supposed to do. And then we're like, well, our grandfathers built things and fixed things with their hands and changed oil and all these things that you also cannot do. So can't want us to be traditional, but then you don't want to be traditional. And then you want us to come home and cook and do this and that. Well, we're also working 40 hours a week, just like you are. So there has to be some type of a line in the middle that we're going to not have these gender roles, if you will, where I'm not the only one cooking. You know, you could wash a dish. You could help out. You you know, men are supposed to be providers, but we are also being providers, too, in a lot of these relationships. So we're looking for our men to give us the same peace and the same love and the same companionship that they want from us in return. So it's really, you know, dealing with maturity at this point, because there's a lot of immature people who don't understand. Well, you can be mature, but you may not have seen it modeled anywhere. Very true. Very true. So you met, I mean, I met my boyfriend at 14, but girl, I don't want to be with him now. Like the (laughs) fact that you met your husband at 14 blows my mind because this is the thing that's scary. I I might have a little bit of a commitment phobia. Because what I know to be true is that the only thing that's constant is change. And if you're 14 and 16, you haven't fully developed into who you're going to be. So Mm -hmm. how have you and your hubby sustained? At the core of our relationship, we're very best friends. We are best friends. And so many people really don't see that. Like, you know, a lot of people miss that. But the friendship will really sustain you during times where we're fighting, we're arguing. I don't really like you today. (laughs) And you'll realize, okay, but losing you is also losing my best friend. Like, and you come back to each other. So for us, we've never really taken each other too seriously, if that makes sense. Like we're BFFs. We, we always keep the main thing, the main thing. Of course, naturally we've grown, we've built everything together. So whenever we're shifting or we're changing, we allow each other space to do so while encouraging each other and supporting each other any way that we need to, but it's not putting each other in a box as, well, you're supposed to be like this. And this is how I met you. This is how you showed up. You have to give your partners space to be able to change and to be different. Okay. So where did you learn that? Was it modeled? Are your, were your parents married? My parents were married. Uh, my mother actually passed away in April of this year. My parents were married for 40 years. But just because you're married for a long time does not mean that you've got it all figured out and that it's all roses and golden. Because actually watching my parents' marriage gave me exactly what I needed to see of what I didn't want in a marriage. You know, my in what mother, way? Because I, I, I relate to that. In what way? Because my mother gave everything of herself. My mother adored this man. Like she loved him to her final breath. And my dad was just always a rolling stone. He was out there. He never cherished her the way that he should have. And she adored him. I mean, he was her world. And I saw that, you know, I saw her never being loved properly. She didn't get sweet gestures or flowers or whatever it is for women to feel valued. She never got that. She was always the one that had to figure it out. You know, he was never the man over the house, if you will. My mother always figured it out. So I saw them as a unit, but it taught me what I didn't want. 
That is so, it's going to make me cry because it's, she spent her entire life giving to that man. What that taught you. Do you have other siblings? Mm-hmm. You have other sisters? I don't. I have brothers. Okay. So it could have, re- well, it affects all of you equally. Yeah, it does. It it teach, does. Right? Doesn't, doesn't it teach your brothers that they don't have to fuel yeah. their wives? They don't have to feed them love and nurturing? Yeah. And it's so easy. It's inertia. Unless you're intentional, unless you really stop to do the work. Mm-hmm. So how did you, as such a young girl, demand or I don't know if you requested or not, or if your husband just supplied it to you? No, you know, people think because we've been together for a long time, it was just always happily ever after. No, it was arguing ever after, broke ever after, sad, lie. All those ever afters came first. And we really just had to learn. Like we literally just went through life and learned as we went. And there were times where we'd be like, we don't need to be together. We're just going to be breaking up tomorrow. And then you decide, okay, are you someone that I really want to be with? We always come back to each other. We're always okay, you're the person for me. I want to be with you. So what does that take? What do you need from me? What do I need from you? And we've done the work. It's taken years. It's taken tears, effort. I'm going to be on first 48 tomorrow, but we've done the work. It takes time. People feel like, you know, you're going to walk into this perfect relationship. You really have to construct it and build it from the ground up. Like really, because if you're not willing to do the work or if you check out as soon as times get rough or, oh, we're having an attitude or anything goes left, you're never going to sustain a relationship because two people are going to change, especially growing up the way we have. And that's really just hats off to you because I think we're, we live in this time where everything's sort of disposable. It's like, it doesn't work next. And I've been guilty of it as well. Like next, gotta go. And to actually say, well, we're in this. Are you, do you guys have church or religion as your foundation? Something is there. We do. It was me most of the time. My husband is a preacher's kid. And so he actually, but you know, those are the worst ones. They I always, know, I know they either, they either go way right or way, way left. So for me, it was really me. Like for many years, you know, I was the one, you know, praying for our relationship. I was the one writing down scripture and praying and trying to keep things together. And he never really strayed too far away from it because that's like his foundation. But he was like out there just running amok. Just, oh my goodness, there's no reason we should be together. But When he finally came back around to it, then now we're having Bible study together. We're praying for each other. We're praying with each other. And we have this foundation, which is is always our anchor. Because I'm sure when you're a preacher's kid, first of all, nothing's your choice. You're born into something. It's it's forced upon you. And that's why the rebellion happens. That's And that's going to take us to the mommy conversation. That's what I've learned about mommying full stop. Because I was that rebellious kid. The more you're like, gotta do, gotta do. The more those kids are like, middle finger, mama. Middle finger. Exactly. I ain't doing it. (laughs) So there's something in my mind that's telling me that you were able to bring your husband around and say, it doesn't have to be your parents' rules. We get to define it for what it is for us with the same foundation. It could look totally different. Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly right. So let's get to the kid thing because 17 and you only have one kid, right? I have a son. Our daughter is 17 and our son is 15. Wow. Okay. So you guys are like the full nuclear family. Tell me what 
you were a kid raising a kid was like and what jewels did you discover along the way? Oh, man, it was rough. It was really rough because you, you got to understand I was like very smart. I was Harvard bound and I had gotten into this program where I was on my way to study abroad in Spain and I was going to be this lawyer and I had this all figured out and I'd worked my butt off and then I was pregnant and everyone wrote me off and you're a statistic now and you're never going to recover. You're going to be a nobody. See how you've ruined your life? Wait, stop, 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 stop. First of all, <laughs> just right there. See how you, the mother of this child, ruined your life, but then does he get a pass? Yep. Yeah, we never talk. But first of all, that sperm had to come from somewhere. But no, you let it happen. You shouldn't have opened your legs. What? What is this? We got to stop that as a system. We got it. We got to stop. They no, both. You know, oh, don't forget that I was a big hoe. I was promiscuous. I was a whore. And I'm like, dude, this is like I lost my virginity and got pregnant, like literally lost my virginity and got pregnant on the same, at the same time. And this is the only person I've ever been with, but you're young. You must be out there. You must be promiscuous. So I had friends, parents tell me that we couldn't be friends anymore. You know, it was very lonely, very lonely. And you just feel like, have I ruined my life? Like, what am I going to do? How do I recover from this? I've dropped out of school. I mean, it just went rock bottom. And I had to figure things out. And thank God, you know, he was there. He was not going to like he's the type of guy. If we broke up tomorrow, he'd be like, well, I want custody of the kids. He's always wanted to be a father like that's He loves kids. But I still like lost myself. I'm like, how do I recover? Who am I going to be like? Is this the end? And I just slowly but surely, okay, I went and got my GED and then I started to take classes and then I started to, you know, kind of get into the nursing field and I was doing coordinator roles. And then they were like, you're so smart. You should be a nurse. So they paid for me to go to school. Like God will always kind of turn things around. Like I never wanted to be a nurse. It just really happened upon me. And I was like, okay, let me take this opportunity. Great opportunity for me. I started to build myself back up. And once I was able to get to a point where it wasn't so much of a financial strain, then I started to go back into this is who I'm supposed to be. I have to write. I have to write. And I started writing and it just everything came back full circle. I am so will you please text me or DM me your the title of your book, because I'm getting that. (laughs) So immediately this, this is the book, little girl, little girl, don't get lost in this world. Congratulations. Yeah. Because our kids are so lucky. We grew up with no books, like (laughs) books, but nothing reflected us. There may have been one. It wasn't truly who we are. And so our babies, my baby gets to grow up with a wealth. Her library is ridiculous. I love it. I love it. With books that look like her, feel like her. My daughter, honey, you couldn't tell her nothing. That's amazing. Representation matters so much. Like, really does. So our entire existence is about, all right, they're telling me everything about me is wrong, but I'm choosing to still love myself. That's so hard. Like self-love is so hard. So when you can master that and nobody ever fully masters it, it's really day by day by day. Because some days we all wake up like, oh my God, I hate myself. And you have to keep going and keep showing up. And and the world is literally telling us as Black women, you are inadequate. You are not enough. But then you look around and everybody's wanting to look like us. And I seem to be the standard and also the substandard. I don't understand. I'm so and confused. every time one of us makes it through, 
were extraordinary. Yes. Wow. <laughs> My baby is watching everything. Yes. Yes. So she's watching everything I do. Yep. She's watching everything she's ingesting on the television. And so we only watch things that reflect her because that's good for her self-esteem and her wellness. Yes, it is. But everywhere, if you could see my wall, it's black, beautiful women everywhere for her to see herself because this is her sanctuary. When she goes out there, not if, but when somebody tries her, right? Yep. And I want to say this for my white moms that listen, my Asian moms, we all go through this. We all should be afforded reflection Mm -hmm. because when you go out, unfortunately, the way that the world is, is othering is people's favorite sport. So true. So true. Othering becomes bullying, becomes hatred, becomes discrimination, becomes racism. They're all cousins of each other. Mm -hmm. So when you were raising your daughter, I love that you were inspired to write this book. Was there a turning point where you're like, oh, hold up. It's not just about making sure she's healthy, making sure she's clean, making sure she's happy, but it's about getting this right. Her mentals, right? All at the same time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think right when she got, I think she was going from middle school to high school the thing is, parents have to understand we are not their only influence. As much as I would like to be, I would like her to just model what she's seeing with me. I'm not her only influence. And that became so apparent when she got boobs and she got to from middle school going into high school and she wanted to be friends with some people that she had nothing in common with. And I started to see her lose herself. And so it was really like me having to hone in and grab her by the collar, like, no, 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 we're not going to do this. And I was able to reel her back in, but it became so apparent because there's a lot of fatherless daughters and there's a lot of motherless daughters, too, that are out here just being raised. You know, some people are actually being raised and then there are some people who are just growing up. There's a big difference. And so I had to get her to not be so influenced by what she was seeing from them, because this is what was cool. And this is what's in. And no, ma'am, we're not doing this. Come on back. (laughs) I had to pull her out. And I did. And it got her back on track. How did you do that? Because I'm dealing with that now, like seven. You're so spot on. Everything was great until kindergarten. And then everybody comes from different, oh, this is how you be cool. Oh, you're weird because you're expressing yourself. Or you, and that weird thing starts to seep in and affect my child. And then I now have to be on, oh, what's weird? Because you're different and you're special and you make your own decisions. Well, isn't that cool? Like, it's, that is so much work. Yes. <laughs> just to combat the crap. Yes. Her little, her little friends, they talk first. Yes, yes. It was very difficult. I had to really have a come to Jesus moment with her. Like, listen, shake her. Like, we got to get this together. This is not who you are. Why do you want to be friends with these people? You're not even, they don't like you. And she, no, these are my friends. I'm like, they don't like you. The way you know they don't like you is because you have to become somebody else for them to be friends with you. If they liked you, you would be able to be yourself. So they don't like you. They like themselves because you're pretending to be them to be friends. Aren't you exhausted? 
And she started to kind of see the light as they, you know, the rumors and all, you know, how girls can be very malicious. You know, it was like mean girls in real life. And so she just had to get hurt and I had to let it happen as sad as it is, because what are you going to do? This is the only way they can learn. So finally, when the dust settled, I was able it thank God, like I was able to pull her out and we did the homeschool with her where she was, you know, the the programs online. So she still had this interaction where she had an option to go to campus, you know, this many times a week or she could do it full time like via Zoom and she could see the teachers in the class. And but it really let her find herself again and get back in tune with herself. So then when she was ready to go back into the school, she knew who she was again. And then from since then, she hasn't deviated from that. Oh God, I was hoping it wasn't homeschooling because homeschooling to me is the seventh cycle of hell, girl, homeschooling. But it was like, it was so instrumental. Like it really was like without the outside distractions and influence, like it really was. I really had a hard time during the pandy when we were forced to homeschool. I was like, I'm no, (laughs) I'm not the, I'm not that chick. It was hard. It was so, so I cried a lot. Like, this is not what our relationship is. Like we do not match here. Wow. We match in so many ways. And she was, she wanted to be social. It was just a lot going on, but I trust me. I have a very good girlfriend whose daughter is extraordinary because of homeschool. There's there's nothing but positive reviews from her come back. Like the way that she shifted, she was happy again. She was smiling. She was herself again. And so that, cause I didn't know if I'd made the right decision. And you know, my husband's like old school. He's like, no, she's got to go through it. You know, we went through it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I think this is not the right idea. We need to allow her to have this time to reconfigure herself. And so it, I saw the shift and I knew then I made the right decision because she started to come back. And that gave me such a joy. And then, you know, she was talking to me again and we were cool again. And she was, you know, feeling herself like she had in the past. So I knew I'd made the right decision. And now she's thriving. I think it's really important that you said, your husband said, no, that happens a lot, especially in, in our community. But I think a lot of people, it's, 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 that's the way my parents did it, especially right. now in America. Yeah. Well, that's the way we've always done it. So it's fine. But no, there was a lot of trauma incurred during those moments where we just had to survive and we weren't, we weren't given the opportunity to thrive. It was just survival mode. I mean, that's what I say all the time from people who haven't done their work. And I specifically think of my daughter's father because his trauma happened at age eight. We've had very open discussions. I said, that is where your emotional intelligence stopped. Yep. Is eight. You're a grown ass person. But you're making decisions from your eight-year-old self. Arrested development. Arrested development. Yes. So we have got to stop glorifying, well, that's the way it's all. Yeah, but we also used to be enslaved and it was horrific. <laughs> you know, what Black people do a lot is we will, we have a tendency to weaponize Jesus. And what I mean by that is that we're so traumatized and don't even realize it. We're like, well, I turned out fine. You don't need that. Just all you got to do is go to, we don't need therapy. We have Jesus and Jesus, this, and, and that's fine. I love Jesus too. 
But Jesus never said it was nothing wrong with therapy or going out to talk about your issues because you have to heal. And so many of us have been hiding in church and you're happy on Sunday. And then all the rest of the week, you're just living in hell because you have things you refuse to face. So it's a problem that we need to discuss more because our mental health is in shambles for a lot of us and nobody wants to address it. I'm going to ask you something tough. Okay. So take an inhale. Mama stay. Cause I come from a different way of thinking mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, it continues to break my heart mm-hmm. that our ancestors were given Christianity. Our spirituality was demonized and we were given white Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you, no matter what they have done to us, you can go into some old grandmother's home and there's white Jesus up there. What makes me uncomfortable is if you live in America, let's say you don't have that much education, you're literally still enslaved. You're still mentally enslaved generations later because society has told you white Jesus, go to white Jesus to help you. And white Santa will be your kid's favorite person to bring you gifts. Right. And the white Easter bunny that takes it to the next level. But it's all these things that brainwash us to think that, A, we can't possibly have our own connection with God. B, why is Jesus white when it clearly states clearly he's brown? Why haven't black people full stop? put black Jesus up there at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. It is damaging to our community and I could be off, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, that is something that is so true. I actually just came back from Africa in March of this year. I was speaking in Ghana to some of the youth there. And what I loved is the fact that every church I went to, every place I saw black Jesus, They had black Jesus on the wall. And, you know, I talked to, you know, some of their scholars there and they were talking about the white man came in and gave us the white Jesus and the white part of the religion. But we did have our God. We did worship already. They just turned him white. And so we had this these amazing conversations about the whole idea of this is why we're so enslaved in America, because we still they've taught us to worship themselves. They hated they wanted God, but they hated us so much that they couldn't worship God unless they he looked like them. And it has trickled down into us. And we've got this self-hate that we don't even realize that we have because we've been conditioned to think this way. And so I have had so many conversations with people about this because people talk about, you know, it originating in Africa. But I was just there and that was not the case. They had black Jesus everywhere. I have pictures of black Jesus. And it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because the depiction of what they say he looks like in the Bible is what you see when you're there. And the self-esteem that that gives to these young children, they've never seen a white Jesus. So they believe in a, a God of that looks like them. They're praying to themselves in a, in a sense, as far as, you know, the representation of seeing a God that looks like them. It's a small edit that makes such an impact. Mm-hmm. I'm in no way criticizing sisters and brothers who haven't found themselves. What I'm saying is, Let's take an open, clear look at what we're ingesting 
Yes. That's keeping us stuck. Yeah. And unfortunately, the people who are mental, the most mentally enslaved are the ones that have no idea. So true. So true. They are like the ones in the cage and the cage door is open, but they stay. Yep. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. So yes. true. Yeah. Yes. So I love that you did this. I, I know we went off, but I just really wanted to know your opinion on that because part of my podcast, I've been talking to a lot of moms, really powerful women who have done the work. It's going to be a couple episodes in the next two weeks. This incredible woman that I really connected to on Instagram as well. I knew her sister, but I was like, she's preaching Yemeya and the Orishas and the power of the spirits that we used to honor in Africa and how, you know, I can't believe Beyonce got, got so much hate for connecting with Oshun. Well, the African culture was here way before any doctrine, any tablets, any. So this is really the, the original and that, you know, what is it? Iris became Jesus, whatever, not Iris, Osiris became Jesus, whatever that is. Everything is borrowed from the Orishas. And when they wrote the Bible or whoever wrote the Bible, it was very much, you see the connections, right? So I know it's hard to go back to who we are and like connect with Africa, but at some point, I know you're religious, you study the Bible. How are you and your family keeping it you, but also honoring it. How, how do you bridge the gap? That's, that's been tough because my daughter is also very heavily in, into her word. And then my husband is like, wait, we've got to question everything. We need to pay attention to everything. Okay. I believe in the Bible. I believe that God is real. All of these things are the truth. I have a relationship with God, but don't get so sidetracked with this is what we've been indoctrinated with that we don't see what's really real and what's really true. So we've tried to kind of keep a balance because, you know, he's like, well, men wrote this. Some stuff they omitted from it. Some stuff. Why? What? Why did they take stuff out? And what did they leave in? And they left in stuff to keep us like this. And so we've really like gone through scriptures and we've gone through history books and we've just been like, OK, How do we stay in both? We need to never lose sight of our faith with God, but we also need to understand, you know, that men had a big say in this and some of those men, well, most of those men were not really for us. (laughs) And so this is how it needs to look. And and knowing who we are, looking back at our culture, knowing our history, where we've come from and adding everything together. And it sounds like so simple, but it's (laughs) clear as mud (laughs) at the end of the day. I have a vote and I'm going to pray on it now so it manifests that you write that book. Wow. Wow. Oh, it's going to make me cry. Because that's what's missing, mama. Yes, you're right. You are like, (laughs) don't do this. (laughs) Don't do this. No, I am a crier, okay? Mm -mm. We do not have that bridge. And I keep going, there's, we have black, my mom was a black history teacher, but all she kept wanting to pump down my throat was what was in the books. Yeah. Well, mom, they lie to us all the time. Oh. I was a kid knowing that. What makes you think this is right? And as we know, when I'm reading every year in history and the only thing that they talk about us is they were slaves. Or what else? Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, slaves, and Frederick Douglass. That's it? 
and we're such a dynamic. We were kings. We were queens. We were, are you serious? But even outside of that, we don't even have to take it thousands of years. Mm-hmm. When you, when, I, I don't know if you know about this Kareem Abdul-Jabbar book about it, Black inventors. Yes. Yes. My daughter has it. The things that our people have created yes, that yes. they've just wiped from the history books. Yep. But because they were property of somebody else, that somebody else now has generational wealth off the idea of a black person. Oh my God, mama. I, I'm just, I, I keep, every time I meet somebody that has the bandwidth and the ability, I'm like, that's a book that needs to happen. Yeah, it is. It's a tough book, but you gotta, we gotta fact check here. We gotta go, I know they taught you this, but this is what was really happening. So true, so true. Yeah, we need to be the gatekeepers of our own history and our own successes, our own show. We need to gatekeep our story. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah and mama stay. Mama stay.